Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film, Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Feels Like Weezer. I'm Megan Coleman from MASH Minute. Hey everybody, Alan Sanders from The Wilder Ride. Yeah, welcome back to both of you, uh, Megan as our as our co-host, and Alan, thank you very much for coming back too. I love being your guest, sir. <laughs> <laughs> It is fun. I appreciate the change of towel since the last time I was in. It was kind of getting a little dingy, so I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you both. Um, so this is Minute 57 uh, today, this week, and it starts with Russell talking about real things again and ends with Russell drinking from a red cup that has beer and acid in it. And not the harmful acid. Well, some people certainly would believe to be harmful, but... <laughs> Not not the uh, not the kind that can burn you, so to speak. No man, not that kind. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about this uh, in the last episode about the realness. You know how Russell seems all excited about being in a real house with a real lamp. He remembers from being a kid. I think we're gonna have. I'm gonna point it out as we get toward the end of the yeah. scene the irony of wanting real and yet wanting to escape even when he's in a real situation through yeah. drinking drugs, et cetera. Uh-huh. That's a good point. Hmm. I, I almost thought you for a moment, you were going to say something about, you know, how he was pointing at the real, real to him old, you know, from his, from his home, the lamps. And, but then what we see throughout the good bulk, two thirds of this minute in the background behind both, uh, uh, Aaron, the bespectacled, uh, long-haired guy who seems who, who mm-hmm. ends up, you know, we find out he has a snake, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and behind and behind Russell, over each of their shoulders on these cuts back and forth, there's these interesting, uh, very not traditional, you know, light fixtures, you know, kind of almost lava lamp, you know, is the idea, but definitely not that amorphous you know jelly substance is much more geometrical i don't know if either of you notice those are they kind of like the weird psychedelic um like christmas flashy led yeah. lights okay mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah definitely the one over aaron's shoulders aaron's mm. shoulders are, are is much more multicolored i think the one kind of more on russell's side is mostly green i think well, the one over Aaron's, I had a I had a light box like that growing okay. up as a kid. It was, wow. you realize it was just like colored lights, but it was a there was a, a a really rudimentary sort of microphone or something that tuned to various oh. levels of bass, so it would flicker okay. with the music. Yeah. Cool. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So they're both very similar. One is going to a much faster beat. The one behind Russell. And the other one behind the kids, like kind of mellow, is ironically blinking a lot slower. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we had that. uh, I mean, when we were growing up, there were no LEDs or chasing lights. Even like the idea of like, I thought that was the coolest invention was blinking Christmas lights. But these were were really, really kind of. I remember my mom bought one of these. I think it was at a a garage sale or something for my, my room. So we could play music and we would set it up on the speaker and it would pick up on, like I said, the vibrations of the bass. And we just always thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Had no idea. It was just basically responding to vibration. But, uh, you know, when you're a kid, putting it in your room, turning the light off and listening to like Pink Floyd, like, hey, man. And that was before I even knew what you were supposed to do with Pink Floyd besides just sit there. (laughs) Um, Well, the first little bit of dialogue we get here is, Russell saying are what it's all about and that's really a continuation of him specifying Aaron you Aaron are what it's all about from last mm-hmm. minute and he gets back to the re- you know it's that real thing that you were just talking yeah. about you know he's you know that th- Aaron's real the room is real and you know at, at this point you know I certainly noted okay there's there's these cuts to William it's the second of the two cuts. It's definitely the more interesting when we get to William on the second time when it's um, it's it's uh, 
it's it's at the end of the flipping the switch so we can go in the flipping the switch aspect if you want which is, <laughs> is probably one of the most notable thing maybe besides the snake this feeding this feeding a mouse to to a snake uh line mm-hmm. that uh that russell mm-hmm. uh flips flips the light switch <laughs> I, and i did i only watched it twice for the purpose of counting <laughs> I think I think it's How nine maybe time flip it? nine maybe to- ten times that uh, the lights turn on back on. Yep. Yeah, I counted nine, yep. but I didn't know are sure. are two or three of them are they supposed to be the same initial first two flashes because yeah. it kind of does a reverse camera angle. It could, but been, it's obviously yeah. several times. Send it out. Yeah. <laughs> Little editing trick. I, can I? I asked this last time with the. Um, the girls, like he was almost surrounded by girls. It's a completely yeah. new, almost setting, and yet he's got the same thing. He, it seems like we're constantly given the, this image of Russell being the center of everyone's attention, and yeah, everyone, for whatever reason, kind of enwrapped listening to him. Whether they really care or they're just being polite, we'll have to we'll have to decide. <laughs> or, or they could be the a construction stoned or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, could be like, hey, man, that's deep. <laughs> what if cat was spelled D O G? Far out, man. <laughs> you know, have you seen the decor though in this room? It's almost like it's a a now what you would consider maybe a themed local restaurant or something that was <laughs> the way it's designed on the walls. <laughs> kind of like a roadside, like a want to be hard rock cafe almost. Mm-hmm. With all that. Yeah, yeah, like a scaled down version of that, but it's like everything's perfect but not quite and it all looks mm-hmm. like you're in a restaurant all of a sudden <laughs> there's actually a cool place uh if anybody who ever swings through the uh north georgia area there's a, an independent a restaurant i love going to like the mom and pops and this guy created one called eight track and it's spelled a-t-e like i have you know to eight <laughs> uh, like i ate food but he went and bought all these 70s and 80s stereos and speakers and they're all like on, so they're all glowing in this. Uh, but then he's playing like seventies rock, eighties rock. There's albums all over. One of my favorite places to go. And that made me think about it when I saw the the decor in here. Is it just remind me of that sort of? Hey, it's a it's that's the decor of this place. It's it's all about rock and roll, man. Well, and something that's that's not very rock and roll is the. Uh is the uh, Russell's mention of 1984. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there was a little bit of some sci-fi stuff that was alluded, you know, just barely alluded to that. uh, 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 Dick on the bus was reading, Dick, the manager was reading uh, a Ray Bradbury book, but uh, Russell does bring up uh, how in 11 years, you know, from 1973 here, this is set that it'll be 1984. (laughs) And think about that. He says. That definitely sounds like something you'd say when you're drunk or high. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're trying to impress people. <laughs> well, I think, and honestly, when this movie came out, the, the 80s are still kind of fresh in some of the audiences that would have seen yeah. this. Like, I know for me, and you think it felt so different when you watch a movie set in the 70s or uh, even the music scene of the 70s versus the the movies, the dress, and the, and the music scene of the 80s. It almost feels like they're not, 10 years apart. I don't know about you. For me, it's almost like it feels like it's weird that it's only a decade apart. And yet it's such different dress, different hair, different music. It's almost like a completely, you would almost assume that it's been many, many, many years rather than just 10. I was born in the mid eighties. So to me, it's always made sense that the seventies were different from the eighties. But... <laughs> <laughs> like my dad, my dad calls the seventies the time that taste forgot. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, this is a question I've asked this before because, you know, in the mid 80s, we had Back to the Future came out and they used a nice round number of 30 years to go back. So they went back to 55 and you're thinking, look how different just I mean, 30 years is like the the cars, the architecture, the music, the dress. But if you went from 85 to here's how here's how sad this is. If we go to 85 to 95, 2005, 2015, five years ago, would it be all that different? I mean, the technology in terms of our phones, but Mm. would it feel like we've traveled that far now compared to 
from 85 to 55 feels like it's a it's like so vastly different yeah but if we went in 2015 back to 20 to 1985 would it really be that different besides maybe poofier hair yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's, that's always an interesting point that you know that that you can think about that uh Sometimes uh, a vast amount of time can can feel a lot, you know, like there's been a lot of changes, but other other times not as much. And I mean, yeah. I, I I have I have a grandmother. She's th- thankfully she's still with us. That uh, is is now 101 years old. Wow! Holy and, crap! That's amazing. And, yeah. So she, I mean, she was born the year of the Spanish of the Spanish flu. Right now we're in this pandemic, and and she's having to go through this. You know that that uh, was going on the same year she was born, but. Um, and she and she is in an assisted living uh, facility and was yeah even she she even had to go to the hospital at one point a few weeks ago and had to get quarantined after had had to you know stay isolated besides nurses coming in but uh, yeah I mean yeah what what's happened over her lifetime is is pretty amazing and and she Dad, and she yeah has has been saying these last couple of years especially <laughs> that she kind of wished you know back twenty thirty years ago she had learned how to you know taking the time and learn how to use computers and stuff. But Well, you know, here's the funny thing. When you say that, when they were starting to become popular, late 70s, early 80s, you know, late 70s you had, or at least for me, the Atari 2600 yeah. was the game console, then the Commodore 64. I, it was like, if you liked computers, it's because you were the geek nerd that didn't get it, that these were just a fad and were going to be gone in a few yeah. years. And everybody just would laugh at you thinking... These guys, it's just, it's, if, unless you're going to be an astronaut or fly a spaceship, you're not going to ever need a computer. And it's so funny. You look back out and it, like, we just take it for granted. Everybody's got like a, a mega computer on their phone. Yeah. I mean, your phone has more processing power, I'm sure, than the Apollo, any of the Apollo spaceships. And that's like crazy. Yeah, it's ironic. Um, I did get a chance to interview a guy who uh, was an NPR broadcaster that got assigned to the space program. And we talked about the fact that all of the computing power between mission control and the limb and the ship, the Saturn V rocket, that your cell phone is still more powerful than all of that. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. And then we complain that like they don't, you know, when you can't connect to the data network, right? We're just so like, ah, give me my directions or whatever. (laughs) Stupid Wi-Fi's down. (laughs) I don't think the stupid Wi-Fi's down. Oh, and you know what? <laughs> you know, we bring this up, talk about just, you know, changes in technology. On the flip side, did y'all get a chance to watch when SpaceX went up while we were, you know, in the midst of recording this? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't see it live, but I saw some. I'm watching these guys now. with the three touch screens in front yeah, of them. Right. Yeah. And it almost felt like it's a ride at Disney. I'm like, where's all the <laughs> buttons and switches and lights and gadgets? There's nothing. It's two chairs and three screens, and that's it. I'm like, that's amazing. It almost looked like they were in a simulator to me. Yeah. Like they weren't actually going to go anywhere. <laughs> They're just practicing, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's a conspiracy thing that it's all faked. Well, <laughs> that, yeah. that really but, is a simulator. That's got to be mind-blowing to, let's say, your grandmother to, to see that, to see the evolution in, in her right. lifetime. I used to think about my grandmother was born when the Model T was first coming through the assembly line, hmm. and then she lived to watch the first space shuttle take off. And I was like, Grandma, what is that like? You watched a freaking Model T, and now we're like sending a reusable shuttle into space. So I've always been blown away by what we'll experience in our lifetimes and, and how sometimes a few years feels like a lifetime, and sometimes 30 years goes by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> yeah, man. That's real, man. Okay, that's real. As I drink out of my Jack Daniels bottle and flicker flicker lights, right? <laughs> oh yeah, somebody do that at home, okay? Let's play along with the podcast game. <laughs> it's like a poor man's strobe. Do it real fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we couldn't afford a strobe. We had to turn the flashlight on and off really fast. <laughs> yeah, growing up. Oh goodness. <laughs> Well, then, then we got, then we have, Aaron, so we have Aaron's response to this. The, the, think about that, this, you know, 
1984, think about that. This whole diatribe Russell's been on, and, and he just he just asks Russell back, want to see me feed a mouse to my snake? <laughs> and Russell's immediate, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, he doesn't, you know, he, of course he wants to see that. You know, it's, it's what else, what, 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 what could you have asked Aaron, or what, what could you ask Russell from Aaron's point of view, <laughs> where Russell would have said no? <laughs> Anything? Right. Well, here's the thing. When I what I love about it, and, and this is Cameron Crowe, I just such a great screenwriter for capturing just yeah. real lines and real people. Is here's this really big, you know, here's Russell with this like, big idea, this philosophical look at where are we and what's real and what's not. And he's talking to like a 16 year old, right, at a party. And I was like, okay, man, you want to see me feed my snake? <laughs> it's like it's perfect. It totally grounds us back to here's here's Russell talking about real, but he's talking about this really lofty idea, and he pulls us into this very esoteric philosophical discussion, and it's the kid who brings us back down to the reality and says, "Okay, that's cool, but you want to see me feed my snake?" And he's like, "Yes, it's it's awesome." And like we get we get both sides of this sort of discussion about what's real because Russell starts to go and talk about things that aren't real. He's talking about eleven years from now. Well, that's not real, right? That's like too abstract. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and man, Russell, I mean, like, he's so good in this. Like, he's like, yes! <laughs> he's just so right back in at the ground level. <laughs> well, the very next thing that then happens in the director's cut is the, the kid that's sitting on the I mean there's a, it seems like there's a, at least a couple of kids that are sitting on the floor but the one that it cuts to while the lights are flashing with he's got his it's like a second 20 uh he's got his elbow up on the bed and he's got a, he's holding a cup kind of drinking from it or maybe spitting in it maybe <laughs> I'm not totally sure but oh, it's so yeah. it's a scene so it's a scene with this kid and I almost think it like could be Aaron's younger brother almost seems like um, but, uh, so what, uh, he, he then says to Russell, he says, can I have that bitch and belt? <laughs> and again, and again, Russell just goes ahead and, you know, he, he says, take it and takes off his belt. And then, wow. uh, so then the okay. kid says, thanks man. And, and, and then, then Aaron comes back and says, thank you, brother. Thank you. You know? Not 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 in the, not in the familial sense as I was I was just referring to possibly this kid being, but um, in general. <laughs> so here's the question for you, since this is your show, Eric, yeah. and you're you're digesting this sure. one at a time. So I'm going to ask because I haven't seen the director's cut with that. Why clip it or why put it back in a director's cut? Well, the the he put okay. So the thing with the director's cut is that he was well. For the for the initial script that uh, you know he he apparently got in front of Spielberg, um, and Spielberg said, you know, you need you ought to you really ought to film everything because, I believe if I remember right, you know, it's along the lines of if you don't film everything, then you'll just regret it. You know that that you know if you don't film every little bit of dialogue at least that you have in mind that you haven't that you have in the script, um, so mm-hmm. he filmed it because. Of what Spielberg's advice, which why wouldn't you take Spielberg's advice? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but then, but then, so then, the great reason for a cut is because it's you know he, he certainly has a lot of this stuff that kind of you know helps with the 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 character motivation, the characters and stuff to get this get this experience in. But it's it's you know ten fifteen seconds that <laughs> and maybe not even that um, that. Uh, you know, adds to it a little bit more, adds to a little bit more of the character, this character development kind of stuff. But it just wasn't, you know, if, if he needed to, if he needed to trim just a little bit more here and there, here and there, here, here and there, everywhere, you know, throughout the whole, almost the whole thing, um, it, it helps with uh, getting that runtime down from like, you know, well over two and a half hours. It's like 42 minutes more than the, just a little over two hour theatrical. Length. Wow. Wow. Um, and that doesn't even include the stairway to heaven, you know, 10, 12 ish minute long scene. Um, 
but you know, so so he just restored it. He just he just brought it back to its original or, or kept his kept his a, a, a copy, I guess, or whatever, or, or you know, master, what have you, of the the way it originally was. Hmm. And that's what he put out as as and called it and called it what he wanted to originally call the movie too, untitled. And and <laughs> the uh, huh. the, uh, the uh, studio looking over. Looking over, it says that that is not acceptable. <laughs> we will not <laughs> have this movie called be called Untitled. That's too confusing. It's ironic that because I was just thinking with the imagery, because I haven't seen the director's cut, so I haven't seen the scene that you described it. But you would have had a scene of him taking his belt off in a kind of solitary snake-like way to deliver oh. an inanimate snake. Yeah. To this kid who then the next kid says, do you want to see me feed my snake? Which made me wonder, is that what triggered him to say that seeing the belt since he's in a state of maybe not quite completely here? (laughs) Could that have been, you know, is that what we're supposed to get from it? Maybe I don't know. Just in my head, I'm just wondering. Do you make that connection at all? Yeah, that's that's very that's that's very kind of metaphorical, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) Maybe a little bit too much for, and not not to not to really diss him or, or anything, but a little bit a little more Kubrickian than than Cameron Crow. Yeah. And then, of course, you know it's it becomes then the euphemism later uh, when is he, if he is going to sleep with any of these women, you know, then you've got the the, mm-hmm. the snake imagery again, but from a completely uh, phallic yeah, perspective. Um, the, there, there has been the uh, the song playing, um, uh, the Neil Young Cortez the Killer, throughout most of this back and forth. It, it is kind of a little more uh, uh, understandable, hear, hearable, you know. Uh, besides all the talking that's happening and and the light switching, um, but uh, you know, it, unless there's uh, anything you wanted to say about that, it, it, you know, it's 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 not a song that I've that I've been aware of throughout, you know, my listening especially the neil young uh life um really really just you know mostly from this movie and and getting the soundtrack and actually i don't think it was on i don't think it is on the soundtrack but but i certainly uh researched it out and figured and figured out and have the fuller version of my own personal uh playlist and so forth um Mm. but 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 it's it's fairly kind of neil young standard fair kind of uh, sin- sinewy again kind of snake like a little bit you know sinewy guitar you know playing i think is is a good uh way to describe it feels like that doesn't it that the, the yeah. between the music and and your description there the scene that we pulled out the scene, the, the mentioning of the snake and he's snaking his way through the hallway coming yeah. up here in just a minute <laughs> yeah. it's almost like is there is there a purpose behind that constant imagery of sort of <laughs> slithering in and around almost you know, kind of make, almost, worming your way into yeah. this house, into these people's lives, or almost maybe something like biblical. And you know, I mean, this is this is him. You know, with, with the whole like Garden of Eden. You know, the snake tempting. You know, and and he's being tempted. And, mm-hmm. uh, and as we as we see at the very end of this minute, uh, the the taking of some drugs, ingesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you go with that analogy, um, if we want to stay kind of with the Garden of Eden just for the fun of it, yeah. look at the color of the cup. Like a yeah, red apple. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. Megan's like, these guys are so screwed up. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> um, so you were just mentioning like out in the hallway. So that's where that's the next thing we cut to. Um, and we you know we at the same time we get the the music change is, is a big reason i think i was kind of talking about the music to wrap up that <laughs> the end of that uh mm-hmm. scene in the scene in the room um and it changes to uh burn by deep purple and so i so right off the bat real quick i mean if we want to talk about continue talking a little bit about music are are how are either of you on deep purple uh megan <laughs> i've never heard of them before <gasps> heard heard of them Never heard of them. You've Maybe heard I've some heard of their, their music, stuff, and I just I'm don't sure, yes. know yeah. that's them. <laughs> yeah, and definitely this is this isn't one of their bigger hits. There's like two or three at least that, that are are the big hits. I mean, the Smoke on the Water is the huge one, and Hush is another. But um, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. Burn. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one that I'd heard on, um, on uh, you know, Best of and that type of thing, you know, and got acquainted with them several years ago, quite a few years ago now, probably. Uh, Alan, your any thoughts on? Uh, I was aware of Deep Purple. Um, we still use Smoke on the Water as a sort of a, a bump for, in radio because it's a great, just oh, yeah. kind of a, it's a guitar lick everyone knows. You've heard it. If I played it for Megan, you're like, oh, I know that lick to open the song. Um, it's like, dun, 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 dun. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get it. You're like, eh. um, and I love it because the, the lyrics, I looked up the lyrics for Burn because last time I wasn't paying as much attention to the music notes. And since we talked about it, I, I looked it up. And like just the opening lines when we're talking about the sky is red, I don't understand, past midnight, I still see the land. People are saying the woman is damned, she makes you burn with the wave of her hand. And I was like, it's, it's a very, I think it's a well-placed song for where Russell is in his life and, and in his relationships and what's going on right now. Hmm. Yeah, wow. Hmm. Um, one, one crazy thing for some of the factual matter of of the song is that it wasn't released <laughs> until a little less than a year after the what's when this is taking place oh really <laughs> it's it's a little anachronistic but yeah mm-hmm. does does most of the that's funny music in this film tend to line like not you know, it was released or was available. Generally, yeah. Generally, they they hit things right, but this is one of a few. There are there are others, other cases where th- there's there's the there's a big thing with the uh, the records that that William is looking through um, of his sisters when we, when he first kind of realizes the power of rock, and um, you know. Because they came, those those album records, uh, vinyl records, they they came from uh, Cameron Crowe's personal collection of when he was a kid, when, when at this at that roughly that same time, um, and uh, they just wanted to, he just wanted to use uh, those exact records. You know, they're, they're actually beaten up more than they probably should be, a <laughs> bit. You know, in, in what we see. And uh, you just wanted to use those, and and there's there's like two or three out of the ten or so probably that uh, that weren't accurate for having been around like the the three to three four or five years prior to this year seventy three that we're in now is when that uh, takes place. Yeah, I wonder how many people would have noticed that though. Yeah, that's the thing I love about <laughs> movies is when you dig and you find those little things. But in all honesty, I mean. I wouldn't have known even looked that up if I wasn't like doing this particular podcast. Like, if I was driving it, I, I would have looked it up. But I had no idea that the times I've seen it that there would have been an album that was out of place in time for when the kid's looking at it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's in the, you know, it's, I'm pretty sure I found it. Uh, I, I don't know that I've, I don't think I found it, you know, or, or even my guests at the time for that, those minutes, uh, you know, found it by, by doing the actual initial, you know, research. It's just, you know, you, you come across it on, on the IMDB goose, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. But then you do kind of research a little bit more and, and figure out, Oh yeah, yeah. This was this year. And you do kind of back it up a little bit with a, a, a little extra research like that. I always think that's, what's fun about doing this, this deep dive minute by minute with guests, because then you sometimes figure out something 20 minutes later and you're like, Oh, I wish I could go back and re-edit, but you know, it doesn't matter. You can say it any time. And the fact is if somebody says, Oh, I can't believe you missed this. Well, that's what you got your social media for. I love, yeah. I love when I have a oh, guest yeah. that says, Hey, by the way, you forgot this, or I can't believe you didn't. I'm like, you know what? Can't hit it all. We tried. <laughs> and thank you so much for, for pointing it out. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm sure Megan, you probably ran into that with uh, your, your mash minute. Oh my gosh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because that is a, there's just so much to, t- you can't so possibly talk do. about everything. No. Yeah. No, we talked about the TV show a lot too. So that's even more of a, <laughs> oh my goodness, minefield. But <laughs> <laughs> with all the sort of behind the scenes trivia and craziness. But yeah. <laughs> um. So we get the big uh, woohoo, you know, kind of, uh, you know, exclamation that the the first of these passing fans uh, say there's three of them. There's a guy and I think is it two girls or no, a guy, a guy, a girl, guy. So it's a little sandwich here. Uh, who knows where mm-hmm. they're going, what to do? <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> but um, Russell then, you know, he, he he then turns into the wall to this painting that, that that was in the background as as the as these three three party goers pass were passing by, and uh, he really starts to stare intently, kind of at, at the wall and. If, I kind of feel like he could have just been there for minutes or maybe even hours if William hadn't <laughs> said something to him. <laughs> which is which is Russell, we should probably get back with the others, but Well, you know what, listeners? I know that free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Through the Pantheon Network and this show, Almost Famous Minute, at Adam and Eve, you get to select almost any one item for fifty percent off. And then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Just make sure you enter offer code AFMPOD at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. You can get a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And on top of all that, you also get six free spicy movies. Yeah, that's right, movies. I know you all like movies because you listen to this podcast about the movie Almost Famous. Finally, you also get free shipping. That's right. Can't do better than that. That's AFMPod, AFMPOD, at adamandeve.com. Just type in AFMPOD at checkout. It's all happening. It's It's all happening. happening. Do you like how William is still kind of doing the same thing we talked about earlier in this, uh, these, these, these couple minutes that we've all been together? Still trying to be sort of the mother hen. I've got to take care of you. We should probably be going now. I'm going to try to keep an eye on you. I feel responsible for you. I love how he maintains that even to the end of this minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I wonder how much of that is, is it is yeah. how much of that is his mom bleeding through and how yeah. much of it is guilt. If something happens, I'm the one who's with him. Well, and that's 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 what's coming up. There's things that are going to happen, <laughs> and, and he continues to play that definitely past this minute. You know, this the, the mother hen. You know, he's he's there's a point where he's on the phone with talking with Dick because <laughs> of these things that have happened. And uh-huh. um, so then you know, and, and and Russell replies back to Williams. You know, get back with the others. He says, "Oh, it's over, Daddy." So, uh, I'm all in, man. Yeah, I ain't going back. <laughs> but the but the daddy line, I mean, that's you know, uh, <laughs> it's not. I mean, I, I guess that I guess that's coming off, and it's, and it's it's in the Back to the Future that you were bringing up earlier in the in this very minute. Uh, you know, the the Back to the Future talk. I mean, there is that whole. Uh, you know, Marty you know, dad, starting dad, starting to call his dad dad. You know, at the wrong because they're <laughs> technically the same 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 uh, same age, roughly. Um, uh-huh. and, and he and he turns that into daddy o, which is that much more uh, jazz beatnik type thing that was said <laughs> in the in the previous right. decades. To the you know definitely you know fifties fifties. It kind of I think it kind of probably works. You know, I mean, but definitely sixties. So I'm 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 assuming that that's what Russell is is kind of uh, why he's saying "daddy" there <laughs> as as kind of the derivative of that old daddy-o. I was wondering because uh, I'm trying to hear it now again in my earphones versus yeah. reading the script mm-hmm. because we keep calling William the mother hen. Is he trying to say like you're trying to act like my dad? <laughs> oh, it's over, wow. daddy. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I think you could interpret it that way when he goes, "Oh, it's over, Daddy." Is it like he's calling him like you're trying to act like my dad? You're trying to act. You're the. You're the stiff. You know, you're trying to be the voice of of order and and adult and authority. And well, you know what? I'm gonna do what I want. It's, it's kind of like the teen that says, "Yes, father." You know, the the, the more right. the more, uh, or mother too, of course. Um, the more. Uh, official you know uh formal version <laughs> mm-hmm. of, our, of our names for our parents i almost think that had he said mama it might have been a more yeah. of a it would have probably been taken maybe more of a put down but yeah. saying daddy is like it's still kind of the same with not necessarily being uh the the the, the gender reversal yeah right yeah not not too insulty 
<laughs> in the sense. Right. To, to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you you're a stick yeah. in the mud without <laughs> But I'm gonna I was gonna circle back around to what I started with at the very beginning here is I love the construction of this minute in the sense of all of this talk of real, which gets blown into this sense of this philosophical thing. He comes back down to what's real. He and you keep thinking, okay, that's what he wants. But then the first chance he wants, you know, somebody says, Hey man, there's acid in that beer. He's like, Yeah, and just chugs it. Like he wants to be now he doesn't want to be real. I mean, let's face it, if you're if you're doing acid, you're escaping reality. Now I have heard though I mean I, I personally I'll 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 divulge I have not ever taken acid but <laughs> um you know what what I've heard especially in relation to the Beatles um as much as I, of a fan of them as I am that uh, you know it was it was a big thing for that that Paul wasn't taking acid while the other two or two or three especially um I think eventually Ringo came around but John John and George are, are the ones to have known to or were, were known to have, you know, dipped into it first, and uh, but they wanted Paul to get in on it, and Ringo too, of course. But I think Ringo did come around. Paul took a while, but but the whole idea—I mean, they, it's not like they wanted him. As was my my understanding of it, uh, they didn't want uh, Paul to do it because they were trying to, you know, cause some you know some negative thing. It was they wanted to cause a positive thing, and and. You know, I I think it's a matter more a matter of while yeah okay it's a trip and you can it it is a bit of escapism for a little bit it's it's what in the end you know at the after the trip and the way your mindset is after that you can be more open and more more uh, aware of what uh, uh, reality what is happening. Uh, that's an interesting way of looking at it yeah. as a as a bridge to expanding yeah. what you think of as real. Right. Yeah, very much. Nonetheless, though, in this one minute, he is going to be escaping yeah. reality for that little for that little bit of flight. <laughs> yeah. He may come back with a wider view of the world, but not at the time he's flying. <laughs> but you know what? Russell's that guy, and I think when we watch it, at least I know I do, and being a, a fan of music and, and growing up watching music videos and seeing rock stars. And we all, I think at least I did want to fan it. We fantasize at some point in our lives of what it would be like to be on stage and singing and doing other stuff. I, I can't help but just vicariously want to be Russell in this where yeah. you don't care. There are no consequences and you just love it. You're just living for the moment. Oh yeah. That's yeah. That's, you know, yeah, because cause, I mean, you know, I was about ready to say at one point, you know, a few minutes ago, that you know, I've definitely been in the position at parties where I've been, I've, I've, I've felt the need to be, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, 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 like William, you know, and and look over and be be a caretaker in a sense of 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 friends that you know, yeah, we all want to have a good time, but uh, I'm gonna let that, I'm gonna be, I'm I'm gonna be a, I think a good friend. I feel like you know. And uh, allow them to do what they want, <laughs> uh, and and, I, and I've done the DD stuff too, you know. Yeah, no, I think In you're order. capturing both sides of what yeah. if you've ever been to these kinds of parties, or if you're that kind of person that goes out to the concerts or the music venues. If you're responsible, which I think is ironic, you got the youngest kid is the responsible <laughs> one still. <laughs> But someone, if you're being responsible, is the one who doesn't get to partake in as much fun. Or the perception is you're not having as much fun because you have to stay sober. Um, and I don't want to make a comment about whether you have to drink to have a good time. Right. Let's face it. We are a our country and much of Western society loves enjoying, you know, alcohol, social drinking, whether you're doing anything else. That's just kind of accepted as part of you're out there having a good time. Um I, I I think it's fun that we can all still relate to someone at some point was probably in the William role. And that's kind of falls on me today with, with, uh, uh, cause I don't want to ever have ourselves in any trouble as a family. And so I'm always the one to say, you know what, if you need somebody to drive, I'll drive. That's not a problem because I've been in two massive car accidents at the hands of other people. Both of them probably should have died only with bumps and bruises. You look at the car, you're like, 
how'd you survive? Right. So oh, because of that, when I was a teenager, I rarely trust other people to drive. And if you're not even in the right frame of mind, I'm certainly not trusting you to drive. So my little minor OCDism comes in was like, yeah. no, you know, no, 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 I'm okay. I'll skip the drinks and I'll drive us home. Okay. <laughs> I want to get home in one piece so I can go back and get out the next night, you know? Fair enough. Yep. Oh yeah. Makes plenty of sense. Um, so then we have the the guy who gives or <laughs> who who informs Russell of that there's acid in the beer with the red cups and that's the red cup that he's holding, <laughs> and Russell takes it, um, and you know you know his, his his vocal delivery of that line is is pretty interesting. He's got an interesting voice and all, and but then he you know and he's kind of quiet about it. But then he's even more quiet, and I don't think it, it made it into the script, but I definitely, in watching over and over again, I definitely finally heard this 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 guy say, while Russell's downing this, he says, that's mine. And I mean, that's right when it cuts <laughs> off, too. So you can barely not hear the, the very end of it, the mine. So, so, so being a big Star Wars fan, we got a little, good old Star Wars minute, you know, it made me think of uh, good old uh, Unkar Plutt. Uh, played by Simon Pegg in Force Awakens, with his "That's mine," <laughs> his, his much more yelled out version. <laughs> hey, 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 man, that's mine. <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Why'd you take my? He does drink? have that kind of. He does have that in silhouette when the minute comes to a freeze frame end for us. Yeah. He's almost got that pathetic, almost like, hey, his hand's still out. Like, whoa, <laughs> it was just in my hand. <laughs> And William, of course, staring. I'm like, oh, my God, you just downed that, didn't you? Yeah. You just downed a beer with acid. Oh, God. <laughs> and yet he also doesn't seem surprised at the same time to me as well. Like, no, like, yeah. Yep, this is happening. Okay. <laughs> Am I going to be in trouble soon? <laughs> well, it definitely leads to, the, I think, I'm pretty sure it's like pretty much the next thing you hear William saying to the whole crowd, <laughs> a little, uh, little, uh, you know, you know, warning to them, <laughs> or or not warning or pleading <laughs> to them. Um, are there any other notes that either of you had for this minute? Not for this minute. No, it's just it, I, I. There are some movies when it ends in the middle of sort of an action. You just feel like, oh, oh, just a few seconds more. <laughs> I just want to go. I just want to finish the drink and then go to the next. Just a few more. So, uh, so whoever you get next, hope, hopefully you, they'll back up a half second or two to kind of get him caught up and and move into the next minute. But no, that's that's covered everything I had. Yeah, and Megan. Um, I guess the only thing I also had was when um Russell was and William were in the hallway there. I found it interesting that the painting is a flag. Yeah. Right. Just because like the flag to me is like all about freedom, and there's this like they come, mm-hmm. like struggle going on between, um, you know what's real and what's not real, and yeah. you know, yeah, kind of uh, Russell's uh, that, that feel, feeling that he doesn't have the freedom because of the band, you know, and and you know this is his breaking away. He's broken away and doesn't yeah. have to think about the band and all the responsibilities that <laughs> he was trying to get away from informing the band. Yeah. No, it's a good catch. Yeah. Definitely, I agree with that. I think I think you're right, Megan. I think it is a uh, ironic that they're looking at a flag like that and this the, the the symbolism that goes with it about being free and open and you know I can do what I want. And obviously, Russell doesn't necessarily feel that way in this part of the at least at this part in his career. Mm-hmm. I want to know if that frame if, if is that wood or is that like a bronze. <laughs> It seems like kind of shiny. Bronze. Yeah, freak, yeah. <laughs> like a plastic. What an, yeah, what an interesting, weird thing to display in your house. <laughs> yeah, and at one point it looks like it might have wording on it, but I couldn't really make out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it almost has like a, a reflection, like it's got a high, like a varnish or a sheen on it. Yeah. I wonder if it's plastic. Yeah, it really does seem, yeah, pretty, yeah. Not not a normal painting. It's it's definitely something more kitschy. It almost looks like a plastic tray that somebody stuck on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your food tray that you take to your to your to your uh, uh, oh the TV uh, dinner stands. 
Yeah. TV tray. Yeah. Uh, TV, yeah, TV tray. But I'm sure that's a 70s yeah, that's thing, a, too. Yeah. For some reason, I remember, and you get a little bit of a different angle, like it, uh, as they flip to, which is ironic, we, we flip the camera to the other side of the hallway because then, unless there's two different American flags, because yeah. now it's on the other side of the hall, um, it looks like the idea that there's curve and depth is because it's cut into a curve, but I don't think it's actually very thick. It looks kind of flat. Mm, yeah. Especially compared to those mirrors or whatever that are kind of more right. three-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the texture of the outer of the frame is, is like drawn as, as to give us the idea that there's um, texture and bends and folds, but it doesn't look like it from this side angle that there's much thickness to this frame at all. I'm not sure what that yeah. means in the grand scheme of things, but you know, we noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 somewhat similar, you know, that you know, into to to the majority, the the two thirds majority of this uh, of this start of this minute with uh, that you were noting all the stuff on Aaron's walls in his room, in his bedroom. That uh, yeah, you know, he's at his parents' house. I assume this is his parents' decoration in in the hallway. <laughs> That shows the mm-hmm. this way, and it's definitely more. I, I like I said that kitschy, that seventies kitsch, you know, kind of way things looked. People decorated back then. Yeah. Well, uh, so if there's nothing else, um, we could go into, we should go into, uh, find out from Megan, um, your history with the movie, uh, you know, when, when you first might've seen it and how often, if, if at all, you've, you've, you've <laughs> viewed it over the years, that kind of thing. Um, so I remember the movie coming out when I was in high school mm-hmm. and Kate Hudson mm-hmm. sort of just being suddenly everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and maybe because also because I was a teenage girl and got like 17 and it just seemed like she was on every magazine cover for a long time. Um, but I actually didn't see it till like a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. Wow. So you would, yeah. so huh. Eric, when you had messaged me to yeah. be like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, I, sure, but I haven't seen the movie. Do you want me yeah. to see the movie? <laughs> um, and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, do whatever you want. And I was like, okay. And then like when you got back in touch with us and it was like every the world was kind of starting to shut down i was like i think i should watch this movie yeah <laughs> escape for a couple hours and i like you, you pick a good one okay. yeah you yeah. pick a good escape one it's a great movie yeah. for that yeah i think i said earlier too I, it sort of makes me think of like a 70s nostalgia trip and the best kind of love yeah. story like a love letter to the 70s sort of way if that makes sense that's interesting yeah totally agree with that yeah, I, yeah, I've been saying that there's, you know, there's definitely this other, this other stuff that his Williams, you know, uh, relationship with his mother and a little bit with his sister too. Um, the home life that uh, is kind of competing with his uh, burgeoning career and and what he's doing out on the road with the band. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely in in all those ways, in both or both of those ways, uh, essentially, uh, we're getting this, uh, yeah, something of a love letter to seventies to. In, in both those ways, uh, family life and uh, of a teenager, at least, mm. and uh, and what he might uh, do do as a career for for a little while, at least, until he gets into movie directing, <laughs> movie writing <laughs> and directing. And I really liked the music, even, and I heard some of it, some of it I had yeah. never, most of it I would say I hadn't, I don't think I really had yeah. heard before, uh-huh. or I had heard it, but I still couldn't tell you who who it's by. <laughs> And I kind of wish I could have watched it with my dad just because, like, when you go in his look at his part of the record collection that I kind of stole from my parents or mostly stole from my parents at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, it, I'm sure he would have been like, oh, Meg, no, you don't know. You don't mean I never had you listen to. And so it would have been fun. Yeah. But hey, we can be back in groups again, <laughs> get closer <laughs> to where he lives. It'd be kind of fun to maybe watch it with him. Yeah, yeah, I really I definitely suggest, yeah, more viewings of it, you know, and. I think you'll, uh, hopefully you'll grow to like it even more, you know, if you, you, you liked it awfully well, it sounds like, and. 
I did, yeah. And and eventually both both of you could even uh, at some point uh, uh, hopefully hopefully get a, get a copy of uh, the uh, untitled director's cut. Oh, that's what I want. When you mention that, I would love to see yeah, that. I always, I'm yeah. always interested in what a director, especially when, a little bit later when he's got either the clout or the ability to put yeah. the his version or her version out. I'm always interested in just to see. Do I agree? You know, maybe it was better when you left certain things out, but it's always fun to see that cut. Yeah, and it's just really good that you know he was able to. He he did this at the right point in his career that he was able to shoot 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 as much as he did. Per per Spielberg's mm-hmm. uh, uh, advice and and um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just before this, it was the big, the big one, the 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 one for the Oscars Academy Awards was uh, that did pretty well there. I think was um, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, that was and, yeah uh, just before this. Yeah, and and really right on the heels of this was uh, Vanilla Sky with uh, two of the actors. Continuing on in that, uh, Jason Lee and uh, Noah Hawley. Wait, no, is that right? Noah, Noah Taylor. Noah Taylor. Hawley's Hawley's the uh, Fargo writer director of, of the hmm. Fargo series and other things. Um, Eric, how how long is the untitled version compared to the? Yeah, um, like two hours and forty five minutes. Okay. That's awesome. See, that's worth getting just there, uh, just to see the kind of depth and texture. I, I, yeah, I'm all in. I'm going to look for it. <laughs> so, um, all, all I'm going to add, if I if I already said something, my apologies. I totally, for, you know, growing up, the very first quote, naughty. Like I remember, my first R-rated movie was Apocalypse Now, but the first naughty movie I had to go over to a friend's house to see was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, right. And so, which is, you know, one of his earliest, I think, screenplays that he did, uh, once again, about kind of capturing high school life. So I already kind of had a sense of his writing, but I remember I loved Say Anything as a as a late teen, early, yeah, I guess late teen, early 20s. I think it came out like 89. And then Singles, I remember seeing, followed immediately by Jerry Maguire, which I thought, God, that's that's great. And then here comes, I remember the advertising for Almost Famous, and it was billed as... Cameron Crowe, you know, his, see, you know, basically based on his life growing up and you had already the sense when it was being billed in the movies is, okay, so here's a guy that's written all these movies that I've already liked. And now here's a movie that kind of explains who he was growing up. So I was all in. So I saw it in the theater, saw it when it came out and then bought it on DVD. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then, then uh, like uh, any kind of, you know, I mean, after upon buying that DVD, you had a viewing every couple of years, or or what? Some um, for me, it's it's yeah, it's one of those things where I, I don't watch it maybe as much as I should. There's certain movies that are in the year rotation or, or yeah. two three times a year, but I was so happy when I saw it and we were chatting when you announced it. I was like, you know what? I hadn't seen that in so long. I need to go back and revisit it, which I did. And then I was like, I didn't hear from you. I didn't hear from you. Like, ah, he's probably gotten other people. And all of a sudden, like. Hey, your minutes are kind of like, oh yeah, finally! <laughs> so I had a chance to go rewatch it again. So it's been really cool. Yeah, in fact, I even told my wife. I said, you know what? I forgot how freaking good this was. I mean, in my mind, I knew it was good, but it's one of those things where, like, oh my god, this is really good when you're watching it. Uh-huh. And so I said, if you hadn't seen it, and she said she remembers seeing it a long time ago. I said, as uh-huh. soon as we get a chance, we're going to schedule movie night. We're going to watch this. So looking forward to seeing it a third good. time now, yeah, thanks great. to this project. I'm good. Well, um, yeah, and and thank you both. You know, uh, you've been great guests uh, and really, you know, co-host for Megan. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, now now is a good time. You know, we could get uh, some plugs in, and definitely, Alan. I think you know. I think uh, you definitely uh, deserve uh, uh, in greater detail to to talk about your shows and all the things you do. Well, okay, cool. Um. The main show that we I do, me and my buddy Walt, uh, we're the podcast partners behind The Wilder Ride, where we did very similar to the Movies by Minutes formula, but we did uh, Young Frankenstein for our first season and then Blazing Saddles for season two. Tried very hard to get uh, started on season three with Silver Streak, the first pairing of uh, Gene Wilder and uh, Richard Pryor, but Walt's mom got really, really sick and then eventually passed away from cancer just as the COVID bug went around. And so it really threw a wrench in how we had a lot of our guests set up for local recording. 
And then Walt didn't have like the ability to do a lot of stuff remotely. So we kind of floundered for a little bit. We already had talked about maybe doing a kind of side cast about the mem- the number of guests we've in- we've we've met and the, the cool people we've met online and talking about these movies. And so we've always wanted to do a talk show. So this third season, we've kind of morphed for this season anyway until the end of the year because we needed to do something. We needed some creative outlet. Uh, we're doing a what we're calling the listener's lounge. And so it's more guest driven and we make it more, hey, what's this person, who they are, where they've come from, what are they doing now? That we kind of throw in some funny bits about what's going on in the news. What are we reading? What are we watching? Kind of recommendations and then shout outs. And that's been actually a kind of cool breath of fresh air. We yeah. still plan to do the movies by minutes thing, but I really have enjoyed getting a chance to like book guests and make it about an interview for an hour to an hour and 20 minutes. And so that's what we've been doing for our third season. Yeah. Everything's called The Wilder Ride. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, every podcatcher. We got lucky with the name of the show. There was no derivation, so I don't have to put an underscore or a slash or a one. or It's just The Wilder Ride. And that listener's lounge, that's kind of like a, like you put it out, what, like weekly, I think. Is that right? Because I've listened to It's a weekly, yeah. It comes out. Yeah. yeah, I think you have. It comes out every Tuesday. Uh, it's a once a week thing. And uh, we're going to be going through. And who knows? Uh, once we get our movies by minutes back underneath us for the next season, we're probably keeping this as the sidecast oh, wow. we always wanted anyway, because it is such a nice yeah. breath of fresh air to do kind of a different show instead of the deep dive into the movie. We can still talk movies, but it's great about talking about guests and making it about them for a little bit. And I think it's kind of cool to give other people some spotlight. Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, and then, Megan, I think you kind of already had a, a greater deal thing last week, but um, uh, yep. plugs. But uh, you can you can certainly hit on some stuff again pretty quick if you'd like. Um, you can go to mashminute.com and hear me and Tierney analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film um, where we talk about the TV show a whole heck of a lot because that's what I thought we were going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> she asked me she's like you want to do a podcast about mash and i was like heck yeah and then like within five minutes i was like wait we're not talking about the same mash are we oh <laughs> yeah. oops and she's like i've roped you in i put it on the minute by minute community i'm like there's a what what's going on what, what happened to me did you, did you take me hostage i'm sorry totally ob- totally oblivious huh cool <laughs> pretty much oblivious wow. I'm like wait what okay because <laughs> I, I can't say no to tyranny it happens so ta-da <laughs> There you go. Um, yeah, and I was I was I was on all three of the movies that you you two have just mentioned uh, on, as guests for you, so for both of you. Uh, so very interesting. Yes, love you it. were loved them both, or loved all three really. You know, but loved both shows, and um, can't wait to hear more from from all of you, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. And ditto. Same back at you. This has been a fun uh, release for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and big ups to the whole Movies by Minutes community. You got moviesbyminutes.com is where you can find a, a pretty big list of over 160 uh, different shows right now that are uh, some, some completed, some in, are big parts of big franchises that have plenty of movies that are in them, especially like the Star Wars Minute, which kind of started it all with uh, good old Pete and Alex. So thanks thanks to them. And then uh, for this show, as well as my other uh current uh airing show feels like weezer uh both almost famous minute and feels like weezer are on the pantheon podcast rock and roll network and you can find that at pantheonpodcast.com uh, and there's a whole bunch of different shows there too about uh about 40 or so of them i believe at this time um you can find uh myself uh, i'll just do a quick little plug for uh, some social media for myself uh, uh my fuller name eric jack nash on facebook you can find me that way and on Twitter at Lucky Mustard and Instagram at Lucky Mustardine. Um, so that'll be it for this week. Thank you again, both Alan and Megan. Just great guests for these three minutes. And uh, this was Minute 57. And uh, we'll be back next week with a couple of different guests, though, for Minute 58. Until then, it's all happening. It's Not all happening. happening. I am a golden god!
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 